This podcast is part of the Frederick Podcast Network. Learn more at listenfrederick.com. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Literally. For Star Trek fans after Star Trek, the motion picture debuted to mixed reaction, although it ended up making a ton of money and was successful enough to warrant a second attempt at a film. Star Trek fans were overall disappointed as the film almost completely lacked the charisma, the bang, the right stuff that made their beloved series so endearing and lasting in reruns. Thank goodness the film made lots of money and that the fans once again demanded more Star Trek. After all, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one. Thus, Paramount made a second effort at pleasing what it knew was scores of fans all over the world who were hungry for more Trek. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan was made, and we are still raving about the film, its storyline, and the great care given to make sure this story was character-driven, not effects-driven, as was the motion picture. Star Trek fans should also give thanks to Nick Meyer, who helmed this fantastic film, also had his hands all over the voyage home and directed the undiscovered country. Thanks, St. Nick. We are so appreciative of your contributions to the Trek universe. And today, the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is all about one of the greatest films ever made, in my opinion. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. I'm here with my amazing and talented and opinionated co-hosts, Adina <laughs> Mignona, Christian Fox, Stephen Merkin. How you guys doing? Awesome. I'm so happy to be talking about a movie we love versus a movie that was vile. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> Moonfall? Yeah. You can't mean Moonfall. <laughs> I, I didn't say Wait, it. Did I? Oh, I did. I'm sorry. I ruined this. Should <laughs> we start you, over? You, no, you like Wrath of Khan more than Moonfall? Outrageous. Just, just a little. <laughs> How can you say that? <laughs> so what's anything new in your guys' life this week that our uh, podcast listeners would love to hear about? They're just dying to hear about you guys as much as they are Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan, I know. So. so I got to watch a mystery movie, which I won't say because it's kind of spoilers for next week. But I'll say this. Great movie, but I hate animal crackers on stomachs. Let's just leave it at that. See if you can figure that out. That'll make a lot more sense next week. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm very interested, curious, but also very nervous. All of a sudden. Yeah, it's it's not the great it's not a great aspect of, of this mystery film. Okay, okay, okay. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Steve, how about you? Anything new in your life? Uh nothing much, really, but I I did have to since of what we're what we're talking about today, I did yes. go into the garage and pull out a couple of old friends okay, for this yeah, event. Yeah. It's Captain Ooh, James oh T. Kirk. Ah, motion picture Kirk. Admiral uh-huh. Kirk. Very cool. And his nemesis. Hey, there he is. Con. With the huge pecs and everything. Mm-hmm. What a great chest. My uh <laughs> my friend gave that to that. me about, I don't know, 20 years ago. I've what? had them for the last 20 years. Never took them out of the container. Good never for took you. Out of the Were box. those Hallmark ornaments? I, I didn't no, I don't think no, I saw these, the whole box. No, there's um they're commissioned by Star Trek. Oh, okay. Okay. There's yeah. so they're like little statuettes. Yeah, yeah, okay. the little pewter statuettes. And I thought. I'll pull them out and 
have him my sit goodness. here for our our nice discussion we're going to have today. You, my friend, are a much better man than me. I would have had those suckers out and put uh, up on a shelf without oh, yeah, the box packaging. Yeah, me yep. too. No, I I just never could open them up. My friend gave them to me, and it, it's it's my best friend, my my oldest friend Ross, and he always said that I was Kirk, and he was Khan. And we always had to laugh about that. Very cool. Uh, Adina. And Adina. Not, wait a minute, Adina. Hold on. Hold on. Adina Mignona. Yes. Per- oh, my God. That was yeah, perfect. There you go. <laughs> my arms practic- are raised high as if I've just climbed the Excellent. stairs in Philadelphia up to the Rocky statue. Did you yeah. practice that in the bathroom? Uh, not, <laughs> not the bathroom. <laughs> okay. No, this week's just been normal <laughs> stuff, work, still, you know, watching, keeping up with some of the shows, uh, nothing, you know, keeping up with my writing, nothing terribly exciting, but I am this evening wearing my I Pass the Kobayashi Maru t-shirt. Awesome. Ah, <laughs> very cool. Just, I, I made sure it was clean and ready to wear today just because we were recording this episode. Uh, I would just like you all to know that my kids know what the Kobayashi Maru is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I've ever shown them this film, but they've heard me talk about it. They've, mm-hmm. you know, um, very proud. And uh, also, what's what's new in my life this week is I'm living now with two brand new Cub Scouts. Yay. My daughter, oh uh, yeah, now Cub Scouts. No. And cool. We're having a camping getaway wow. on Saturday. It's not really camping. They're offering camping. We are choosing not to camp overnight. Um, so we're gonna go fish and. You can have any, uh, and... you can have some marshmallows. Ah, you know what? That's a very good <laughs> Star Trek mm-hmm. reference. Star Trek five. Star Trek um, five. Great scene. I don't know. I don't know. We are going to Wingfoot Lake though, uh, Saturday night. That's where mm-hmm. they, they're going to, um, kind of welcome all the new people and, mm-hmm. uh, give some of the wards and away. And, uh, that is real near the blimp base here in Akron. Oh, uh, wow. Akron area. So, it's cool. It's a real nice big lake and lots of park area. And then across the lake is uh, is the Flint base. So pretty cool. Nice. Cool. Pretty cool. Very neat. Very yep. neat. All right. So uh, let's, with that all being said, the word has been given. So we're going to warp <laughs> speed our way through this conversation today. Get ready, folks. Mm-hmm. Are we going to warp these. speed? I don't think uh, we are. <laughs> I think I might have slowed down. <laughs> There's validity in that statement. I prepared a list of questions, but as usual, we may or may not cover all these depending Mm -hmm. on where our conversation leads. So grab your phasers. Let's get into this adventure. Also, I've created my own little version of the Kobayashi Maru for my co-hosts. Uh-oh. As I've thrown in a few questions that I didn't ask you guys to prepare for. Ah, I already well, have the shirt that I passed. So. I should get some apples, actually. I got Three. a bunch. I've got 40 Downstairs. points that I wrote down while watching the movie. <laughs> so hopefully I'm prepared for anything. But I also have an interesting thing to discuss about the Kobayashi Maru, yes. which you may or may not about. The Kobayashi Maru actually happened. Oh, so it happened based on a real story. There was a a Star Trek Enterprise novel. Yes, Star Trek Enterprise novel, which takes place prior to the the Romulan War, Mm -hmm. where the Romulans were using a device to uh, take over spacecraft, and they uh, tried to uh, capture the NX-01 by using the Kobayashi Maru as a bait. Oh, Archer cool. has to make the final decision. Do I try to save these people or do I save my ship? 
and he right. chooses, chose, chooses to save the Enterprise and his crew, leaving the Kobayashi Maru to be destroyed by um, three Klingon warbirds, which were mm-hmm. actually Romulans. Uh, so um, it even ties back to the whole we're Romulans, but we're using Klingons. Uh, correct. Using Klingon yeah, no, That's it's cool. they, they, they did a good job. I mean, it's, it's one book about one point, but it's really the transition from the last the prior book, which was the um, the good that men do going into the next books, which are the actual Romulan War. But this is very it's a really good, good read. And it does. So what they did was they took something that was made up, but gave it reality, which is kind of cool. Anyway, enough of that. That's cool. Enough of that. Now, just remember, guys, as we go into this, this is a test of character, not of the solution. Okay. So Mm -hmm. there's, okay, just so go easy on yourselves, whatever the outcome, we'll just learn about each other a little more. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to start into the questions that we already know and kind of had some time to think about, um, does this film, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, for those of you that have forgotten what we were talking about, uh, does this film still hold up today? And what makes this film so special? Heck Let's yes. start with Adina. <laughs> Sorry, she said, because I said, yes. heck yes. Okay. <laughs> right off the bat. Well, you know, it's actually, you know, similar to the discussion we had last week where I like to, to dive into that whole thinking about the three act structure for a film. I mean, that, and that to me is what really makes a film hold up is does the, the whole you know, character arcs, hero's journey, follow the right structure. If it does, it can hold up. You know, some of the, the graphics and some of the technology mm-hmm. look wonky. I mean, when my son watched it with me, you know, he, he la- you know, looks at what was produced in the early 80s and he laughs. But at the end of the day, the story is still compelling. He still watched the whole movie uh, yeah. and everything because you, you can still watch that whole movie. The sto- you know, it's the Moby Dick story. Mm-hmm. Moby Dick story has been done to death, and it's still a good story. And he reads Moby Dick in the movie. Well, he doesn't actually read it, but he has it on his shelf, yeah. which is yes. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Khan also quotes it, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Yes. Yeah. With my last yes. breath, I mm-hmm. stabbeth thee. You yeah. know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's it's well done. Well yep. done. Mm-hmm. And the pacing is also really good. Like, I feel like a lot of movies now, it's like you get two and a half hours and granted those movies are great and you can have really good stuff. But I just, it's always amazing because I watch this movie so much in parts where I'll like be in the mood for, you know what, I'm in the mood for surprise attack right now. I'll watch that scene. But watching mm-hmm. it from like start to finish, it's like, man, this movie is really quick. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, we're already, and I think all the Star Trek movies have actually been, well, I mean, except for well, motion picture, have been good for for the pace but i feel mm-hmm. like it it works it gets everything that Here's, it wants to show you and it, and it I, I yeah i think you're right chris i think probably one of the first meetings they had after the motion picture was we need to introduce the bat we need to get to it much quicker than mm-hmm. we did in the motion <laughs> picture like that was probably one of the first things on the table and on the whiteboards or whatever they use to discuss the film was we got to make sure we're moving this thing along because this is this could be our only shot right i mean mm-hmm. yeah well, actually that's true harv bennett said that if this movie is a flop the franchise is dead mm-hmm. and uh let's see where are we right now oh yes a whole network <laughs> devoted to star trek paramount right. plus mm-hmm. yeah um as far as i'm concerned because i watched it yesterday and and I and I did it two different ways. I did it a simple way. I watched on my laptop, which not only had the uh, su- uh, um, 
ca closed caption, mm -hmm. but also trivia about the film. And so I learned a lot of little details about the movie that I did not really realize about until Interesting. I used that as well, which is thank you very much, uh, Prime Video, for that treatment. Um, the movie does stand up because we've all seen it many times. So we know when stuff is coming up and we're like going, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Oh, yeah. And I'm not dissatisfied. Because it's still great. You still wait for Khan to say, and I want to go on hurting you. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's yeah. just, you just love it. You absolutely love it. So there, there's no real dead spots in this movie as well. I mean, mm -hmm. it just, it keeps going from moment to moment to moment to action to action. There's introducing of characters. So there it's just it's just it's wonderful to watch again and again and again yeah. now i have to say for anyone who hasn't watched it recently and is going to watch it again don't watch the director's cut the, yeah, the, it, that director's it, that special edition so i watched you know so steve you watched it you said yesterday so i watched it about two or three or so weeks ago um for the 40th anniversary it was playing in mm -hmm. our local theater and so me and i took my my husband and my older son who's 12 and we met some you know friends um and we, you know, we all saw it. And I, I have this, this movie memorized from beginning to end, <laughs> except Good. for that version, there's extra bits in it that were cut out. And so I, I know the, the, the stuff with the bits cut out, like the, your actual mm -hmm. version that we, you know, was screened. Mm -hmm. And when, if you see it like on TV, you'll see like the regular version. Well, so they're in the theater playing the, with this stuff put back in uh. and that stuff put back in was not i mean like, there was a reason that stuff was cut it was cut for good reason and it did like it was disturbing <laughs> and yeah, <it's> I funny. <laughs> if you've never seen it before i think it would kill the pace in a few scenes too yeah hmm. like i was watching the theaters too and when they get to preston and he does a walk i was like i actually held my breath and i'm like is he gonna have the blindest uh blindest tiberian bats line mm -hmm. and i'm like okay he didn't so we're watching the regular cut yeah, no. like, yeah, the extended cut is not or director's cut isn't good. And but the one thing about pacing. the director's cut is the explanation as to why the death of him means yeah. so much. Why, to, so uh, yeah. it's why, it's OK. So it's like it's so OK to are, see it once or know that or, you yeah. know, or, or for anyone to tell mm -hmm. you that, by the way, that person, that kid that that Scotty walks onto the bridge holding, that's his nephew. If you didn't know that, that's that's his nephew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But seeing the scene that was cut that actually has a dialogue where you learn that. That if you didn't see that scene, you are not missing anything. We're just telling right. you that was that was his Scotty's nephew. And I gotta say, watching it fresh, which comes into our next question, because mm -hmm. I haven't watched this for I don't know how many years now. Honestly, I've got all the director's editions on my shelf beside me here in my office, but I just I hardly ever pull them out um, like I used to. And and I think a big part of that is because there's just so much offering on television now with all the streaming, there's so much to watch. Um, and new Trek too, frankly, if there wasn't new Trek, I'd be watching these films much more regularly, but, uh, that I believe that death scene of Preston is James Doohan's finest acting moment in yeah. the films. At, at least he, uh, watching it, he, he was, he was, he was fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, he, yeah. you really believe he is experiencing this loss. And it's more in what, it's not that he has a ton of lines. It's what he's doing with his eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's that you get this sense of deep loss and sorrow. And 
yet pride, you know, that he didn't leave his post when the other trainees all ran, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Yeah. So I loved that. I love that. That scene is, you know, that could have been something they cut out too, that he's, you know, they could have cut out that whole death scene if they wanted to, I guess. I don't remember all the other dialogue that Kirk and, and, Bones no, but, there, but but even but even the scene where there's you know you've got Kirk he's standing over and he's just you know you know it's the word it's given the, admiral right that's yes the word is the given, word is given. yeah and then that's the moment he's able to say okay I can go and he dies yeah yeah and then you have like I said Scotty just standing over him and you've got you, you've got again you've got McCoy and Kirk and Scotty they're together and it's very emotional mm-hmm. and it comes off very well and that also by the way is the midpoint in the movie yeah. Yeah, exact midpoint in the movie is when he dies. So the movie goes from one point up to that. Mm -hmm. He dies, and now it's Mm. Kirk who's going to get back. He's Mm going to avenge the death of Scotty's nephew. And you know, also, yeah. So I think the film holds up beautifully. Um, You know, the effects aren't as like they are today, but the story is so good. And the music is so stinking fantastic. Oh, yeah. the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's pirates, it's submarine warfare, it's mm-hmm. adventure, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, it's got a mix of everything. It's just James Horner just did a fantastic job with this score. Yeah. And uh, I think that helps the film. I mean, there's one scene in particular where I just, I look for it every time and I got excited when it happened again, when they're getting attacked by Khan and uh, uh, the music is just fantastic. And Kirk says battle damage or something like that. And Spock walks over to the screen and he points with the finger, the little flashing lights on the different oh, enterprise and the music goes mm-hmm. done, 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 done beautifully as he's mm-hmm. pointing to, yeah. I mean, it's just superb right all mm-hmm. the way around. And uh, I mean, even at the end as Kirk is running down the hallways running towards Spock mm-hmm. and uh, everything that those violins yeah. just cut your heart out um, as you're anticipating what he's going to find. Um, so th- I What's think it? that helps. And then the acting, I think someone's mentioned the acting yeah. is absolutely superb in this film. It is, it is, you just can hardly beat it. And that helps I, tremendously too. I have to say that this problem to me is one of William Shatner's best roles as kirk my the one that really stands out is when he is talking to carol marcus over subspace radio and she's all coming out and he's going what 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 are you talking about yeah who who who, who cancels car i didn't and it's and it's you can hear and go this is real dialogue this mm-hmm. is what someone would actually say and delivered the way someone would speak it and she's it's it's really some of his best acting and when he's sitting and lamenting about being old, you you realize, yeah. I mean, in this, there's a note there, and there's a trivia that he's 52 years old in this story, and that's his age. And so, yes, think back. Well, I can well, think back <laughs> when I was 52, yeah. and I'm not that far away yeah, from no. thinking forward to that. But 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 yeah. yeah, even at 50 at 52, you start going like, okay, what what's what have I done? What am I going to do? Where am I going? Right. Yeah, and that's 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 happening for me at forty three. <laughs> what so, is yeah. I, again? <laughs> I, I've been having this disasso- dissociation where you see people from the eighties that are like my, you know, like my age, mm-hmm. and you're like, they look 10, 15, 20 years older than me, and it's like, well, do I do I feel younger, or 
did people in early generations actually look older? Because you say 52, and I'm like, that's basically my contemporary. I should be an admiral by now. Yes, you, <laughs> you right. are an admiral. You're an admiral of this podcast. Okay? How are you going? So, so, but here, I'll, I'll just say this. Yeah, okay? yeah. 52. In, in How old was of... William Shatner in 1982? This is 90 now, which is it's wild um, to say that, like, when you look at so it, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's about that age, yes. But, it, but it's so crazy because it's like, oh, I'm so old, I'm so old, and it's like, well, dude, like, you're actually 90 in real life, like, so, but like, it's just the, funny uh, when he acts like, oh, I'm so okay. old, but it's like, right. well, that's but not actually is, that old, no, it's not because I'm gonna be in a in a, about a week or so, I'm gonna be 66, but I don't feel 66 inside mm. when I'm with you guys and other people. I feel like I'm, you know, right. half my age. And so he goes from that. He realizes at the end of the film, I'm really a young man. Mm -hmm. I still have the energy of a young man. I still have the, the passion of a young man. And I so mean, he is. If he was only 50 at the time, that's young. <laughs> Says yeah. the forty-eight-year-old. I've met a lot of fifty-year-old people that are pretty old and grumpy, and they're not happy fifty-year-old mm -hmm. people. You know, I'm just excited like, about fifty. I think because then I can get great power insurance, which is supposed to be this really good insurance <laughs> that will lower my rates. So, well, when I when I turned sixty-five, I got great health insurance. So there you go. Bye bye bye. Yeah. So moving right along. Sorry about uh, that, folks. Watching tangent. Tangent. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's a, that's hysterical, Chris. You're excited about 50 because of the health insurance. <laughs> Watching this film fresh, yeah. uh, did anything surprise you or was there anything in it that you'd forgotten about that made you go ooh and ah? Oh, this is this is hard for me because uh, while I recently watched it for the first time, like watching it from start to finish, I have I listened to the movie recently while I was cleaning. I listened to it in the car. I listened to it at night. I listened to it on buses. Mm -hmm. I listened yeah. to it in the library. So it's like I have been listening to this movie and watching it for basically my whole life. I feel like mm -hmm. I've always known every line of dialogue. Mm -hmm. So yep. it's really hard for me to notice anything different. There's things that always Fair. make yeah. me laugh. Like there's Dang. one extra uh, when they're getting ready to go battle con and they're loading up the torpedo. There's mm -hmm. one extra in the background who I don't think was given direction because he's just standing there looking around yes! rapidly. <laughs> I noticed him this time. You're an officer. You're clearly an officer. You're not a trainee because you're in the full uniform. And he's doing Why nothing. Why are you so confused? That he's just, oh, that guy super, walked by. Oh, he's the so, supervisor at the no. at the uh, when they're filling a pothole. There's got to be always one of your stands going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But he wasn't even looking. Authority. He was looking around like, I, "Am I in the right room?" And <laughs> doing something doing awkward. That? He was holding the handrail awkwardly too. Like he was. Like yada 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 yada. So that so. reminds me of one thing. So I'm similar to Chris, where this this movie is never too far from my my consciousness, like mm -hmm. at all. And even though I just saw it in the theaters a couple of weeks ago, like I had seen it probably two weeks prior to that. And I, I do have the movie memorized and stuff, but yes, one thing actually recently did hit me and actually it wasn't at the movie. It was before that because mm. so the shirt that I'm wearing, the Kobayashi Maru shirt. So when I first uh, got it like a couple months ago, my son is like, what's the Kobayashi Maru. So let me show you. And I, so I, I put the movie on, but I, and I promised him in that moment that we'll only watch the relevant scenes, mm -hmm. but watching right. the first scene, the actual Kobayashi Maru scene with Savick, that's a cadet training sim. She's a lieutenant. Yeah. And this is the first time that ever clicked to me. Oh, my goodness. She's not cadet Savick. She's lieutenant. Yeah. He Savick. calls her that in the film. Yes. She's lieutenant. And, and she's a lieutenant. You look at her. She's a lieutenant. 
So, but she's in training with cadets. And so now I'm like, in my head, I'm trying to make this make sense. Like, is she back at the academy for additional training to be a lead? Like, I'm now I'm I'm now I'm stuck on this. Okay, Okay, can I think of it? Go ahead. Chris, Can I ask another? I want to ask another question about the simulation after we cover this question. Okay. Okay. This is a, probably more for Adina. Well, who has hashtag, like a my, background. hashtag my mind is blown. I okay. have never even thought of the. I've yeah, been watching this movie for point. almost forty years, and this yeah. just occurred to me. Yeah, Steve it's, it's, <laughs> No, I was. What I was going to say is she's in there. She's in the captain's chair because she is trying as a lieutenant to go into captain to get her captain's bars. But they call so them. Going, Cadets, ah, because they're calling everybody in the room cadets. They don't have to mean her; they can mean everybody else in the room. But that's a general statement. Like you're in the room with you're with us, and if we say, "Hey guys," well, guess what, Adina, you're not a guy, but yeah. we're just talking in a general mm. statement. So Ex- I believe that's a general statement no, that they so were using. I, I appreciate that, but. I feel like, and and I feel like I want to like maybe run that by my husband afterwards because my husband's okay. a vet and he's very particular on some of the proto- military protocols. Again, mm-hmm. real military, right. and but, obviously but, this is Starfleet is fake military, right. but yeah. I don't think they would bandy it. Like we use the term guys, yes, and I you know we use it like bandy right. about, but right. I don't believe they bandy about terms that actually are actual ranks. I don't think mm. they bandy about them like that. Mm. At least not yeah. in the real world. In Starfleet, which is not, and it's weird. She seemed to not, she seemed to be surprised by the test, which is like, well, at that point, wouldn't that test be legendary? Yeah, to the point where you know you're going to fail it. It's like, I want to be the first one to do it, but then Mm -hmm. she's shocked that she couldn't do it. So, well, there's the that's a that brings up a couple other points of order regarding any in inequalities in the film, such as Mm -hmm. okay, they're going to SETI Alpha Six, right. To go check mm-hmm. it out to see if that's yep. usable. Well, everyone <laughs> no, should know that SETI Alpha Five has got con on it, like and nobody... especially, and especially Chekhov, who was there. And that's also another point of order that everybody's always complaining. Well, how can Chekhov know about Khan when he wasn't on the bridge in that particular episode? And no, he everyone... was in the toilet. According yeah, exactly. to Walter Koenig, made up this mm-hmm. whole thing that he was in the toilet when that was. <laughs> But but can I ask one question about the so, simulation? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is bugging me before we go on because the con like the whole planet thing is a, is crazy to me. Yeah. So we know about the well the Kobayashi Maru, it's designed for cadets to fail. So why do you have it set up that when somebody fails the test, which is what you're expecting, and that's basically how it's supposed to play out? That everything actually damages the con- like the controls. It's like, well, why do you have to call maintenance? Why wouldn't you program it just to like look like it's exploding? You don't need to actually damage the equipment. And, and, and why? Okay. Why, so why so here's here's okay. the, the okay. best I'm gonna I, here's the okay. best I'm gonna do with this explanation. It's completely made up explanation, but here's where it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it. to help. Go ahead. Go ahead. In real life. Uh, in the aerospace industry, and this this might apply to other industries, but I, I don't have never worked in other st- industries, so I don't know. But we have something um, called test like you fly guidelines, where the idea is we really want to test what we're building as close to flight like operational conditions as possible. That is the best test you're going to mm. get. Okay, so simulating something exploding is not the same thing as something exploding. Now, of course, you need to take care of safety. You can't really hurt, you know, in the simulation, you can't really hurt anybody. But yeah, you could really damage equipment. 
you know, so okay. that's how I, I rationalize that, that they really are trying to make the most realistic sim they can that is going to, so yeah, damage equipment possibly, but not hurt anyone. But now in real life, we we don't deliberately damage equipment, <laughs> although right. there are some tests that are um, that are destructive. Like, let's say you have like a like a little device and the test, like it, it's like a one time only test, you know, the, the test itself, like pop something open and that's meant to be like a single use um so you test those and they're they're mm -hmm. destroyed they're done so the real thing you might like send the you know launch the real thing and it's truly never been tested because you can't um anyway that's how i justify that yeah okay. that makes well, a lot it, more sense i'll buy okay. it because like the line like oh well they damaged the simulator room and you with it and it's like why are you surprised mm -hmm. this happens every time wouldn't they always get destroyed yeah. Well, so why that's are you true. Like that's... What to what degree? Maybe the pyrotechnics are different depending mm -hmm. upon the scenario that happens. But well, here's the thing that always surprised me about that is that they're all cadets, right? Mm -hmm. But you've got senior officers playing parts mm -hmm. in that and they get all the play death scenes. And why was all it done? Not for the cadets. It was for us. Yeah, for us, yes. for for us to be a lost lead. Because mm -hmm. and this is the thing. When I went and saw it the very first time in the theater, 1982. We all oh. thought that that was real because yeah. we had already heard rumors that Spock yep. was going exactly. to die. Yeah. And we thought that was done for the audience. It had nothing to do with the cadets. It had nothing to do with the training. Mm -hmm. It was to be a lost lead for us. And then he goes, aren't you dead? You know, right. and that line by Kurt. That's and that's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I was going to say is mm -hmm. that was that was a, a permissible plot issue. Mm -hmm. to trick and fool the moviegoers because mm -hmm. it opens up a very serious scene you have no idea it's it's a simulation the first time you see it that mm -hmm. is if you don't realize that the second time i don't know what to tell you folks <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, um but uh uh that's all that especially with spock dying right that was the mm -hmm. big boo-hoo oh no they're gonna kill off spock what are they doing and they're killing and, off at the beginning of the movie yes, How the did beginning they do of the movie yeah. and fans you know at first were shocked it can't be and then oh, of course it can't be you know and then yeah. it makes the shock at the end even more shocking mm -hmm. except if you and watched... more emotionally draining mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. except for joan rivers apparently she spoiled it like on the i on heard talk something show. about that yeah oh i, I, I never knew about that we know we walked in the movie not knowing what the end was going to be and that was beautifully done yeah, yeah see it's Again, I'm it's sorry. one of those things where I can't imagine what it's like to watch Wrath of Khan for the first time because it's like I've always known it. Like it's just yeah. I can't. No, we walked. We were yeah, at the theater. Amazing. We saw it live. We and, saw yeah. it live. And, and it I don't. Cool. I don't know if I saw it in the theater or not. Um, I was certainly old enough to. But when I was a kid in the 80s with my family, we didn't do a lot of movies. So like the couple that I know I saw with my family, I feel like stand out. Like I, I do mm -hmm. remember my grandparents taking me and my younger brother to see Return of the Jedi because mm -hmm. my parents were away for a weekend and we were staying with my grandparents. But so but it was a year or so before that Wrath of Khan came out. And I don't have a memory of seeing it with my family. Um, and my my dad has passed, so he can't obviously tell me. But it, it's highly likely that over the summer, if it was in theaters, Mm -hmm. I saw it yeah. with camp because it was normal for us to see a few movies in the mm -hmm. summer at camp. And I think mm. it was the summer before, even though I was probably a little too young, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark with camp. Okay. So I, I don't know if I saw it in the theater. Uh, I, I might've, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I feel uh, like I've always known 
the story. I've always known what happened. And when I yeah. became a Trekkie in like the 86, 87, 88 timeframe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, I certainly then at that point started watching it and watching it, watching it, watching it, watching it. I, I, I am a true child of the next generation because the first Trek film I saw in a theater was Star Trek Generations. Wow. Now, I was old enough to see the other films, mm-hmm. a few of them, maybe, you know, but uh, at that point in time, we, you know, I mean, there's no way my parents taken me to see Voyage Home at that point in time in my life. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Five, I don't even remember that coming out, um, but mm-hmm. that came out. I was in high uh, school. Next Gen yeah. was running, wasn't yeah. it? Weren't they filming mm-hmm. that during the yeah. early part yeah. of Next Gen? Yeah. yeah. Which, so, which can, oh, sorry. Go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, as a kid growing up, like, so First Contact was the first movie I got to see in theaters. It's like the first time I remember not knowing what was going to happen in the Star Trek movie. But the 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 Final Frontier being around the next gen time confused me because I'm like, why are we watching an original Star Trek movie, but the hallways look like next gen hallways? And I could not figure that out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. older, I was like, oh, I get it. They're reusing sets. That That's makes right. sense now. But as a kid, that would like economy of scales, kids. Yeah. 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 Yeah, same thing. I don't remember if I saw three in the theaters. I do remember seeing four in the theaters with my family. Mm-hmm. I remember because I and I, I remember like the anticipation of it mm-hmm. um, and then going to see it with my dad. So like I have a clear memory of that. And then five in high school, I like I saw five in the theater several times. What? Really? Because I was at the age where I was allowed to go to the movie theater by myself. So I'm allowed to go to the movie theater by myself. And there's a Trek film in the theater. So doesn't matter that it was not the best Trek film. I was spending my hard earned grocery store cashier money to go the film mm-hmm. and i my family through that film many times with no money spent just like we're in the living room tv's here i've got mm-hmm. the movie i'm taking over yep. apologies <laughs> now i did see remember when they used to rent films on vhs mm-hmm. oh um, yeah that's how, you know i mean for crying out loud there was a safari video in the home in alliance uh and then blockbuster kind of came in and took safari went under mm-hmm. but uh um, I would go rent all the Star Trek films. Yeah, that too. So I saw them growing up. I just, it was Generations was my first big event with my dad mm-hmm. going to see that. Same thing with First Contact, Insurrection, you know, uh, and Nemesis. So, but we won't talk about Nemesis. Well, you know, when you talk about when you <laughs> see a movie the first time and you see actors playing particular roles, right? Mm-hmm. So when the character of David Marcus appears on the screen, Played by uh, Merritt Butrick. Butrick. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not thinking about this movie. I'm going back to a TV series that he appeared on that same year, called Square Pegs, where he played a character named Johnny Slash. And all I could I see that. was Johnny Slash is Kirk's son. What? <laughs> but that's where you see an actor in a major role for the first time, and you. Think about when you mm-hmm. saw him before, and he was very good. I mean, he he played the part exceptionally well. Whereas now, Johnny, Slash, that's inter- that's interesting. I've never heard that. Let's let's mm-hmm. move on to the third question here. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any particular scene or feature from this film that stands out as your favorite part of the movie? And this oh. is hard for me because there's so many great scenes mm-hmm. so for me what who wants to go first oh can i oh go first goodness. oh wow. please do this please is the do. part that i rewatch all the time it's like as soon as it's um 
you green-blooded, you inhuman, Admiral. And then like when they get to the Reliant or they see the Reliant, that score is perfect. The angle, the fact that the ship is on a slant yeah. when it's coming in and mm-hmm. everything about that scene is perfect. All the dialogue. I love mm-hmm. the all the sounds, like the, the sound of the shields going up always gets me mm-hmm. and uh the, the sound of the targeting <laughs> yeah exactly the targeting <laughs> and cons fire it's just like to me it's perfection mm-hmm. oh, like that so, sequence is so it, great and that that speech i love that speech so much where like l- the last week or so i've been listening to that uh the soundtrack in my office while i'm doing stats or doing database mm-hmm. work and I, I whisper things but i'm not sure if the people <laughs> in the other room can hear me quoting Khan because when I hear that I have to do I have to do the whole speech mm-hmm. and I just which I is it. which is which is can you do of it of course we are one big happy fleet <laughs> ah Kirk my old friend do you know the Klingon proverb that tells that re- that tells us that revenge is just best served cold it is very cold in space so can I, I, I love ask it. You, can I ask you a question about that Chris yeah go ahead if he was marooned on SETI Alpha 5 how does he learn a Klingon proverb? That always got I, to me. I, I, I have an answer release. for that. Oh, do you? Thank you. Go ahead, Adina. Well, okay. When they were originally marooned there, and they mm-hmm. took that historian, you know, like his wife, the historian. Yeah. I have a feeling they they probably dumped them like a computer and a whole library bank of stuff. Okay. And of course, uh, I'll, he's I'll gonna go his that. super intelligence. He's gonna ingest all of it. Well, sure, I'm sure, and that's the same reason why you know Chekhov was in the bathroom. Yes. When the whole thing happened, and he, you know, because. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll accept well, that. That's. <laughs> Hey, it's fine. It's just always one of those things when I watch that, I go, how did he know that? But it's a, because it's a great line. So you can't mm-hmm. discount it. You can't because it's so beautifully. Now delivered. let's, now let's hear Chris's so, answer. So that quote, is that, is that Shakespeare, right? Is that Shakespeare? Or am I making that up? Who, 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 where's that quote from? Like Revenge the real. Revenge is a dish, dish best served Yeah, cold? I think it's yeah. Shakespeare. Yes. It's, so yeah, I my dumb Google answer is we have a DePaul-like story where it's like Klingon somehow travel backwards in time and end up hanging around Shakespeare, William Shakespeare. And they start giving him <laughs> all the Shakespearean stories that he writes. So, and that's so why that's, Klingons that, love Shakespeare. Terrible because- answer. No, no, but that goes back Don't to Star Trek Five, so you can say, you know, uh, I have to hear it in the original. We need, exactly. <laughs> we need we need a current Star Trek author. If is is Una listening to this? Please write a time travel story with Klingons who go back and interact with Shakespeare. And please make that happen for Christian Fox. Okay, please. So, no, two I, things I have I, to say I about have that. Issue another apology. The second apology <laughs> on this podcast in two weeks. <laughs> if this becomes a reality, I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, Adina's be, got. Adina's well, ready. Wait, just ready to say something. Well, yeah. say something two things. Is it's no, it's not from. No, it's not from Shakespeare at all. Oh, okay. Oh, um, what? No, no. Uh, is it Moby so, Dick? The origin of the expression comes from French author Eugene Sue and his novel Memoirs of Matilda. Uh, and it goes and it goes on. So this is really easily Googleable. I'm just on Google right now. Um, and mm-hmm. then there's a couple there's other uses, but Shakespeare is not part of this at all. I'll be darned. OK, I have a so once again, so that's once again, the Internet is used for good. And yes. Not evil. Now, the the second thing I want to say about the Shakespeare and the original Klingon um, 
we need to talk to, I interviewed him on my blog a couple months ago, but uh, Lawrence Schoen, who is the director and founder of the Klingon Language Institute, and he has a lot oh, wow. of interesting things to say oh, wow. about Klingon and the original Shakespeare that completely blew my mind. Okay. So Let's we have to save it. that for another day. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. I, if we can get him on the interview, I have to ask him about an episode of Frasier <laughs> that my friend told me about where uh, everyone thinks he's speaking, he's re, uh, doing his Haftor in, in Hebrew, but it's really Klingon. Well, that's, that's fantastic. fantastic. So, okay, so Chris's favorite scene is that whole uh -huh. Uh -huh. battle sequence and attack. What about you, uh -huh. Steve? Do you have a favorite? Without a doubt, without a doubt, it's the Mutar Nebula. Oh, that's so good, Because, again, when I went and saw this movie cold, and I'm watching it, and I'm going back to sitting in front of the TV watching black and white submarine films like mm -hmm. run silent run deep and i'm going they got it right and the whole cat and mouse battle yeah is so good and even when and i just love it and i just had to write it down when they go to fire the the photon torpedoes and out pops out the gun pistol with the button on it that oh yeah Chekhov has to put i mean that is so old-fashioned that <laughs> is so 1983 but it looks so cool because that's what have been they you know right. you know fire torpedoes and they they push the button and the torpedoes fire and you've got that exciting sequence rather than just pushing a button on a console so it, it really did that but just the cat and mouse between kirk and 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 Khan is just so well done, and the graphics are so well done. Um, and they talk about how that whole sequence was just a marvel to shoot at. Uh, at, at I think it was at Lucas Films. So it's mm. just really something. I, I I just love it, and I watch yeah. it every time, and it's just like it's all fresh again. And it's oh. so good. So mm -hmm. can I? So here's my other. I've got so many questions. Just little things. <laughs> When when Khan is like, so I guess it's actually a two part question. When Khan is like, explain it to them when he doesn't want Kurt going into the nebula. Explain I it to them. Still don't yeah. understand how his navigator knew exactly what he meant by that. And then he just did the hand signal. Then the guy at tactical was like, oh, he clearly means fire a torpedo close mm -hmm. to the ship. So that was my that's one question. Mm -hmm. But if he was able to fire a torpedo, why wouldn't he just fire everything at Kirk at that moment? And prevent him from going into the nebula. I think I have an answer for the first part of your question. Oh, okay. Like, how did he know? Like, how did everybody know? Okay, when he says explain it to them, he means clearly fire a torpedo okay. specifically close to the to the hull of the ship. So engineering section. The eugenics wars. I mean, I feel like these guys, in theory, have might have like been in battle together before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So okay. So they're just applying whatever tactics to now that, that 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 would be i've never this i've not thought about before so i'm just yeah. making this up on the fly but i think that work that works for me oh yeah and then there's eugenics wars the book which i have not read Ooh. but given that, that we know that that happened you know happened uh, CD. i mean CD, yeah CD. and and again yeah. so in in these people were there with him because they were all kicked off of earth with him so yeah. so they all okay. yeah remember yeah and that's a good point adina because Theoretically, he would still be using 1986 military methods. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing where if you're going to tell somebody something, you fire a warning shot to let them know you mean business. And so, yes, that's 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 correct. 
Yeah. Mm. I always thought like, I just can't, every time I see that scene, I'm like, I, I just so desperate for family guy to do like a Star Trek thing where they, where they remake all of where they did with, what they did with Star Wars. Like Luke Star Wars. The, that was great by the way. Because awesome. I, I just picture like explain it to them. And then the navigator hailing Kirk and be like, Hey, if you go in there, we're going to be able to kill you. <laughs> that would you be better great. Stop. It's like, no, 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 I didn't mean that. I meant fire a torpedo. Mm-hmm. Right. The eugenics war volume two. You can listen to that on YouTube. Oh, Ooh. cool. Okay. Uh, and I think Aubert, uh, Rene Aubergenois is the narrator actually. Oh, no, we have to oh, rest in peace. Gonna so, to that then. Um, mm, I, I believe cool. so. There's a volume one, two, but I'm not seeing that on. Oh, it's there too. There's uh, volume okay. one. My my co-host can see I'm holding up my phone. So uh-huh. you can get volume one and two on YouTube and listen to that. And it is a wonderful, uh, it's, of course, an adaptation, mm-hmm. uh, a dramatized reading of it, but it's fantastic. If you want more backstory of Khan before yeah. the original Star Trek episode, it's a great story. Greg Cox did a great job Thank formulating you. that story. So I will I will be able to play that in my car on my phone. So Adina, really cool. what's yeah. Thank you. What what uh is your favorite part of the film? Oh, I think I have two. Two okay. two okay. two scenes. Awesome. The first one is uh early in the movie, that little bit between McCoy and Kirk on his birthday. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I love that too. Ah, yeah. oh, so good. You know Damn what, Jim, I... what the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. birthdays. Why are we treating oh. yours like a funeral? Oh my god! And that you, you know, and, and until that ends with the you know, damn it, Jim, you know, get back your command, get it back before you turn to the part yeah. of the collection. So that that whole that whole scene, I love, love that. And and did yeah. you hear? I I heard it this time for I think the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there's like a tugboat sound because the the yes. background image of his room it looks like you're looking out at san francisco bay or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. and there's a noise that is recurring that reminds me of of a ship noise like there's oh, ships. Yeah, i was wondering logical for ambient noise yeah it was, fan, it was fantastic little thing nice that's touch. something new i noticed and good and touch goddamn computer console line like that to me is mm-hmm. so classic uh i was gonna say kirk but so classic bones mm-hmm. like perfect and i love mm-hmm. saying that if, if there's a chance if there's a reason <laughs> sorry <laughs> that i can pull out it's about you finding goddamn computer cons when you got to be out there hopping galaxies. If I can pull that out in a conversation, I'm excited. Okay, so interlude, one yeah. of the best things in life, especially when you know a movie so well, and like, like, like this, and this, this happens to me because I know a lot of Friends episodes really well too. It's really funny when a lesser known line, you hear it in real life, it gets just used in a conversation and it's not, not, it was not intended to be tied to it. But then you point it out and you have a colleague sitting right next to you who knows what you just did. We were in a conversation at work yesterday and someone said, blah, 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 buy the book. Oh. And then I look at my coworker who I know also knows. And I look at him, I'm like, he just said, buy the book. And, and he just smiled. He knew exactly what I was talking like that we were talking mm-hmm. about this, which is related to my second favorite scene, which mm-hmm. is the one right, right before that line comes up where, well, right you know, when they're sitting there hanging out in the Genesis cave and, you know, Savick is like, you know, I'd like to know what you did. Tell me what you did kind of thing. And Bones is like, you know, Lieutenant, you were looking at the only cadet (laughs) in star, only Starfleet cadet who ever beat the no win scenario. And so that's that, that little interaction there. That's my second favorite. Mm -hmm. I love the Genesis cave stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that is all, 
uh, when Captain Tyrell has to shoot done. himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it oh, is geez. great drama. Mm-hmm. And Kirk and Carol Marcus talking about their past life and growing mm-hmm. old. And, um, Can I cook? Or can't I? And right. it's cool I that mean, McCoy is so excited. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's okay. No, that's great input, mm-hmm. Chris. I th- I think that's part of what makes that scene so good too. Is they're all interacting with what's happening and with what they're seeing and experiencing. But my f- one of my favorite parts of this film is at the end of the Genesis Cave when you realize that days actually meant hours. And mm-hmm. Kirk, oh. Kirk has this has this has this time with Carol Marcus where he's real somber. He's kind of questioning a mm-hmm. little about some of his choices in life and what he's missed mm-hmm. out on. Um, and then then he's eating the apple and he mm-hmm. Spock, you know, like like, you know, you get this like, oh, yeah, that to me is such an exciting mm-hmm. scene of mm-hmm. where you go. He had a plan. Yep. All yeah. along. Yeah. And it's so... and him, him and Spock are like this, you know, yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. one line and everything. Yep. So right. I did that for my girlfriend. And like, for some reason, she was impressed by that. I'm like, I never thought I could impress anyone by go eating and taking a bite out of an apple and going, I don't like to lose. Or is it I don't like to lose. And then it's the bite. But I was just uh, like, why is she? Let me see. Yeah. It's I don't like to, I don't lose. to lose. And I have then to the bite, say, and then yeah. flip I have to say yeah. this. They recreated that beautifully. In Star Trek 2009. Oh yeah, so good. When, oh, when, you're right. When, he's such yeah, a yeah, because he, he's he's eating apple, going, yeah. all right, uh, photon torpedoes, fire full bird. Okay, <laughs> it actually he's apple on the whole thing. Hashtag it, it, my know. mind is blown again. <laughs> I never can put I, that together until just now. Can mm-hmm. I make a dumb confession? Yes. I didn't realize until 2009 that he was eating an apple. I was like, for years, I'm like, what is? <laughs> what is he eating because it's square yeah. it looks like i'm like is it a cracker but it's not the oh, right crunch apple. of a cracker and but it's an apple because like so, he's he's so casual like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, well, torpedoes fire lasers yeah. all right i don't deserve to be on this show with you people you <laughs> and, then, and then he looks up to the everybody in control because are Just we done watch more trek you have reasons now to I watch do. More. I d- i've watched but, all the film all it's okay. it's ridiculous i should have I never, when oh. I watched the 2009 film and he's eating the apple, I never put that yeah. together. I never said, wait a minute. It's the same bravado. It's the same bravado. Genius. But is, is the apple you know, cut weirdly in, in Wrath of Khan? That, uh, I, I don't know. look back I don't at the, I don't. Because so. he's What's not that? eating it like an apple. It looks like it's an apple slice, but it looks like it's uh, like a rectangle. See that? I gotta... he's eating it. Yeah, no, it's it's just they like they cut a, a quartered up an apple. Or something oh, okay, like that. that's what he's that's eating. It. That's all. Um, okay. Yeah, we were talking about favorite lines. Okay, and I've got a few that just in the movie I just make me great. Yeah, come on. When Let's when 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 Chekhov first tells Khan, Admiral Kirk, and Khan goes, Admiral Kirk, Admiral Kirk. Yeah. And he says it three times. Three like, times. Oh my God, this guy's an admiral. Jeez, that's not right. <laughs> oh, see, I like going mm-hmm. back a little, a little bit before that. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. check off Botany Bay. Yes, Botany oh, Bay. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh no. <laughs> and yeah. then the other one, I love. I just love it when they're going off to go to the Genesis to go under into the planet, and oh, you know, okay. and and yeah. Spock says, you know, be careful, Jim, and McCoy Young says. We will. Like, don't forget, I'm going too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, when after the whole sequence about the the time, the days, and, you know, whatever that, and when um, Kirstie Alley's character says, you lied. And Spock <laughs> says, 
I exaggerated. <laughs> yeah. Is it's that so beautiful? It's so beautifully done. And then our one, and then the line that we always used, always amongst our my friends and me, was always, where is it? Right here. Khan. I laughed at the superior intelligence. Yeah. I've always used that line when someone's like they're really being a little uppity, and you just right. want to say, I, I laugh. Would- I would not recommend using that. That's one Star Trek line I will never use on my wife. I'm just saying. <laughs> is it, it's never happening. Nope. I yeah, might say it to Santa Claus, though. That's not beyond the scope of possibilities <laughs> for this Two guy. words. Two words you say always, Brian. Yes, dear. <laughs> so, so quick question, too. There's a TV too. show called that, too. <laughs> yes, dear. So is this the only time in Star Trek history where we've seen people being beamed up and they're having a full-on conversation? Is that always kind of like, hmm. yeah, it's that always point. seemed interesting that they're like, they're being, they're beaming up, but she's like, mm-hmm. they seem to be in the middle of a conversation. They're continuing it as they're materializing. Yeah. It doesn't seem scientifically like they should be able to do that. The thing, the thing that comes to mind mm. quickly for me is, is it realm of fear with Barkley? Oh yeah. But I don't know yeah. if he's talking with other people outside no, I of think his beam though. Star I think he's Trek just being a but do they talk when they're being beamed up? She's screaming. Oh! Jillian, when Jillian is oh, getting, right. she's screaming. Yeah, yeah. That was That's very a great good. scene. I love that Brian. scene. Brian? Wow. Hey, you got I do watch these films, guys. I just apparently not as don't. much as we do. Some of them anyway. Well, I wasn't <laughs> no. thinking about the screaming, but like I always thought, like, man, isn't that cool that he can just be like, oh, we don't have enough power. We'll just jump onto her and then you'll be be or what did, who, who beams up with with him? Oh, yeah, she jumps. Jillian jumps. Yeah, on, jumps. Yeah, so it's yeah. like so that's all you got to do is if you don't have enough power, just jump yeah. on the person that's being beamed up. No problem. Given Good. how so beyond, like how so, I'm okay with that only because transport technology is so yeah. beyond realism already. Mm. So if they want to extend yeah. it, and and again, I feel like they are self consistent within you know, the, the universe and how that happened. Sure. So I, it, it, yeah, it's, right. it's a little yeah. weird. You, 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 I wouldn't have, do it. But you oh, have to be, we have to be a real Trek nerd to say, oh, that's not possible. Rah, 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 rah. And, <laughs> no, anything's possible. It's part they of the fun of that want. scene, though. Yeah, to yeah, me, that fun. is. Yeah. So it's a nice fun. transitional scene. You're going from one moment to the next, and it's a good, they would be having that conversation. And can we talk about the jackets? I'm obsessed with those jackets. Like the yes. the red the the I call them the Wrath of Khan jackets, but like mm-hmm. on the away team when they're on the yeah. when mm-hmm. they're on the space station, and then Kirk has his collar popped all the it's way up. Hot. Yeah, I noticed. You and- know, I knew. You know what, Chris? I told my <laughs> wife watching this film. I said, Chris is going to talk about these jackets. I guarantee I have it. To. Yeah. And, and I noticed worst- the pop, pop. Kirk has his all popped because he's Captain Kirk and William Shatner. So, well, yeah, the but, but also. Flat. But then Carol Marcus goes on the on the bridge at the end of the film, and she's wearing his jacket. Why? Because that's her man, and her man gave him he gave her his jacket to wear. And then we so, never yeah. see you here from I her have, again. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Well, so and, I have to complain so, for a second too, but not ahead, about the, the film. So in Vegas, I somehow didn't realize that there was like one of the guys I had seen him before is Odo, but he was walking around in the Captain Kirk jacket. I didn't see him at the time, but then when I was scrubbing through my footage, I saw him and I was like, oh my gosh, I somehow I missed it because I would have loved to have seen how he how he actually got the jacket right because it was mm-hmm. perfect. Huh. I believe they, I, I don't, I'm not sure Novo sold those jackets at one point or not. It's very possible they may have. 
they may. I know they had the uniforms from Rathacon for mm. sale, so yeah. maybe they yeah. might have sold the jackets. Yeah, oh, Rathacon wow. era uniforms are, I think, my favorite uniforms in mm-hmm. all of Trek. I might be grooving on on Strange New Worlds uniforms too, but I, mm-hmm. I think the Rathacon ones, yeah. you know, the, the the red, you know, that those yeah, that make yeah, well, it's very good. military. It's very military. Yeah. It's actually very almost like British military mm-hmm. style to it. But the thing that I like, I mean, sad, but the, the putting the blood stain on Kirk's jacket, mm-hmm. and then him still wearing that constantly until he takes off that top piece, yeah made that consistency Mm -hmm. that you know okay because could easily in in continuity they could have changed his uniform and he'd have a clean one on without explanation but it carries it all the way through and i thought that that's just problem though steve oh problem is though is when uh scotty's nephew tut grabs him Mm -hmm. and then when you jump to the next scene that hand Mm -hmm. stain has dramatically shifted on that uniform okay you're right you're right okay but you're you're absolutely i it is they at least tried to be consistent the intent was there to be there is yes but there is a great let me chris i'll let you go here in just a sec but there is a great um series of books called the nitpickers guide to oh wow <laughs> star trek the movies or star trek the next generation Ooh. and i had I, those, I, yeah. I had them at one point i i don't think i have them anymore unfortunately but they as a star trek fan that wanted to eat up every piece of information those that nitpicker guide was gr- i went through next gen again mm-hmm. and started watching stuff in the movies and no that's where i learned about the hand thing on wrath of khan mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. You know, so, some of them are hysterical mm-hmm. um, problems that you see. One of my favorite is in Star Trek The Next Generation, and I'm going to forget the name of the episode, but it's when Q takes Picard back to his cadet days. Um, tapestry. Oh, tapestry. Yeah. <laughs> and he's Good. fighting with the Nosigans, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's all white background because it's this kind of, you know, he's kind of... Q has him in this kind of heavenly looking mm-hmm. thing. And one of the Nasican rolls and then right as he, he rolls off camera, but right as he gets up, you see his wig fall completely off and it's just laying oh, there wow. on this. And it's a real brief <laughs> thing, but it's hysterical. But anyways, nitpickers guide. Go ahead. I please. know I have I one it. of those from like years ago and I haven't oh, thought fantastic. about that. I got to go find that in my shelf bookshelf. They're so great. Oh, I was going to say to your earlier point, though, about Carol Marcus not being in the other films. It's very mm-hmm. strange that she's never referred to again, yeah. never talked about, and she's not even on the Grissom. Grissom, it's her planet. She should be there, too. Mm-hmm. Well, unless, again, you know, that if it was, if in, like, if we're making real world analogies, you know, mm-hmm. two things, it's like, no, you need to be removed from this. We need to go study this. You're, you're kind of like... But even yeah. Marcus being there, but David being there is also probably. Oh, that's true. That, now that you say that, yeah, but that David's is true. there true. because you have to give. Well, you know, you've got to give Kirk a reason to go crazy, right? So, or okay. Son. So here's my explanation. Okay, so even though this in theory should apply to David too, she's utterly traumatized that her like entire staff has been killed. Well, so that's a good she point. is that's voluntarily a... out. She's right. she's. Mm-hmm dealing with her ptsd from that yeah yeah that that's good enough that's good enough <laughs> making up answers so okay. here's, that's good here's, I, I was, oh go, go ahead. ahead go ahead steve and then i'm gonna yeah, move I was just on gonna to say, our next okay well then this is very 
one of the things is they did put a couple of favorite Star Trek requirements in this film. A, well, we're the only starship in the quadrant. Once again, they're the only Star Trek. What? They don't have any more? Are they all broken down? Are they uh, here? And Are they (laughs) all at the donut shop eating? Some are so ridiculous, we just got to move. It's it's better than there's no experienced commanders. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) And then, and then, Whenever everything fails, what does Kirk always say? Try auxiliary power. Yeah. What is auxiliary power? Another battery in the in your motorhome that you switch over to? Uh, another. It's always, <laughs> but he always says that, so they had to have it in the movie, mm-hmm. and of course they don't have it, which is why not. But yeah. everything for some reason, you know, we're on batteries. That was it's the only classic. Thing it's the classic. That what would save us is being able to transport out of here. Oh, yes. but the transporters are down. Yeah, or the no. interference. Yes. We got to talk about the bypass the Christmas trees at some point. That's a line that uh, has always confused me. Oh, yeah. Get there. Well, it lighting, it's lighting up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> meets you getting all the nightly right, sparks right. and everything. That well, would, he uh, says, like don't give me too many. Uh, the energizers are bypassed like a Christmas tree, so don't give me too many bumps. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> Somebody tell me. <laughs> There's lots we'll of red there. lights going off. Like, it's, yes, it's yes, not good. Yes, yes. Okay. Red and green lights. Okay, okay everybody okay. calm down. One? Everybody. Okay. Everybody <laughs> calm. Settle Sorry, right on Chris. down here, you crazy Star Trek fans. Get us back in line. I swear it is. We're like cats. Here's where I've set up my own little Kobayashi Maruta. Okay. You okay. okay. You're uh, going to be just fine. So don't sweat uh, it. If this film was remade today, ignoring uh, Into Darkness, okay, mm-hmm. who would you want to see play? Lieutenant Savick, Carol Marcus, or David Marcus? Oh, my God. Ooh. That's. <sighs> okay. So, Carol Marcus, for some reason, I, I think she could do it. But whenever I see Modern Family, the actor who Thank plays you. Claire oh, looks so much yes. like Carol Marcus. It's weird. The mom, the mom okay, from the yeah, series. The mom. Yeah. Thank you. yeah, you're absolutely. I, it, thank you. Yeah, that that's a great. Oh my, my gosh. Mm-hmm. My gosh. I'm glad there's other people that. That also is a good choice. Yeah. That is she's, a. I would have never thought that is a great choice. She's got the sassiness. She's got the look. She could play the part if you're going to read. Yep. Yeah, as opposed to who was used in the. Uh, Star Trek movie, the other, you know, um, Alice Eve, I think was she did yeah. great yeah, for yeah. what she was given. I just, I they could have, they sure didn't utilize her. No, no, I, just, really I thought it was just kind of thrown in there as a gift to Star Trek fans. And then mm-hmm. you, you looked okay, you had to right. have that line in there, <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. So yes. this is the quietest we've ever been on this podcast, Lisa. Well, this is a hard this, one, that's that was, yeah, because yeah. thinking through like so many. There's just a bazillion choices. Who to play play David? I mean, gosh. Mm. Tom Holland. (laughs) Okay. His voice cracks. No, we don't want that to happen. But he's got the boyish looks. He's going to be a young character. He's got the the kid look to him. Do we have to imagine the David character as the Chris Pine version of Kirk's son? Like I'm trying to then imagine like who Right. Assume, okay, let's assume okay, here. Okay, I got it. Assume got... that they're remaking this f- f- film yeah. with the Chris Pine cast, the Kelvin uh-huh. Cl- cast, oh, but with okay. different characters. Okay. And and I've left Khan out of it because I think Cumberbatch did a great job. I loved 
his con for what it was worth. So obviously there's some, I see some faces. Well, cringing here. Oh no, no, I, no. I, I don't disagree with you. Brian. I liked I, him. I loved him. Except I loved him. for the whole genetic difference. Really. I have yeah. a hard time getting past that because I, okay, fine. Read you. Everything about the timeline is different from when the ship went back in time and everything happened. Right. right. But, Khan was still hundreds of years before, so genetically he should still be kind of the same. So I was having a hard time with that. But also, let's not acknowledge the fact that he's Latin American, but he's supposed to be playing in like someone from India, like because it's mm-hmm. his last name is Singh. So yeah, but yeah, but I I hear you because it's like I actually like what Benedict Cumberbatch did, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact that he was British and white that I'm like, okay, he doesn't look like Khan. I always thought Benicio del Toro could have been a good good Khan. And it would, would be, oh, but this is what we kind of go back to the question because that's, yeah. uh, yeah. that's, that's, that's a different, again. yeah, it's a very different yeah. question. But yeah, so like, let's say we take Chris Pine, age yeah. him a little bit, and take the woman who plays Claire, I don't remember her name, um, but from Modern Family, the woman who plays Claire, Claire right? Uh huh. And who would make a good child for them? <sighs> I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but it's, mm. it's like the kid who plays George, Georgie on, um, Oh, on um, Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon. I think he's a remarkable actor. See, and he's a little I, I, young. Well, he's remember he's playing in that show. A, a, he's playing seven who seventeen year old who gets off as being much older when he gets the girl pregnant. Oh, did I get away something who haven't watched the show yet? Spo- oh, spoiler alert for anyone who spoiler, hasn't. Wait, are yeah. you talking about? Jo- oh, you're not talking about the kid that plays Young Sheldon. I thought when he gets no, older, no, 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 he's no, no. Be the kid who plays his no. brother George. Oh, okay, um, I got you now. Yeah, he again, he's a much older actor than who he's the age he's actually playing. I know. But, I mean, he's really. I I like him. I think he could do it very well. Mm. He's got that style. He really does. Mm. So, who was the third person we're supposed to be casting? Savick. Oh, Savick. Okay. Savick. Well, it's so not going to be Christy Allen. No. Christy Alley. <laughs> no, she's changed too much. Um, boy, who could play uh, her? I, mean, I feel like there are a lot of a lot of people. I mean, because really you're you're playing a still mostly stoic Vulcan-ish. You know, uh, uh, her last name escapes me right now. Uh, she was an alias. Jennifer, what's her last name? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, Gardner. Gardner. Jennifer Gardner. She is, she has that air because we don't know how old Vulcans are. So she could mm-hmm. play that part and she's a good enough actress. I think she so could get away with it. Are we she's, looking for more sassy Savage, as I call her, like we see in Wrath of Khan or more serious Vulcan Savage in... So we're, if we're trying to make it like Wrath of Khan, we want Well, if we're trying to make it Wrath of Khan, I feel like we want... More sassy, as hmm. I indicated, sir. Hmm. Savic. I okay. think I th- though I don't is she sassy? Yeah. Or is yeah, maybe she, is it more well, that that is it like is it that they really made her in, in parts of Wrath of Khan kind of, they brought out her sex appeal. Like well, I, think, yeah. I think the sex appeal like but, like well, a yeah. like a tiny little bit crushy mm-hmm. flirtatious thing with Kirk. Well, I mean yes, that's just barely, a good word, right? but like barely, but yeah. the, like the way mm-hmm. she delivers that as I indicated kept as I indicated Admiral that thought had not occurred to me. I just love that they're like her a little no, bit. I, like, I don't uh, see that sassy. I think that was just uh, defensive just speaking you know, oh, yeah. okay. Is your hair different? Is your hair different? No, and then no, what no, was no. with the I hadn't noticed like Kirk why <laughs> What do you mean? Because you he, because he did notice. Because he did notice. Because yeah. he's remember he's kinky Kirk. Okay, and kinky anything. Kirk. W- yeah. 
Hey, that's not me. That's not that's not me. My Fred Ross. That's his mom used to say whenever she watched Star Trek. She said, "Oh my God, it's Kinky Kirk one more time." Oh wow. She used to say. Um, Brilliant. Now that's and and the other interesting thing that came out of watching and reading the trivia stuff was that Savick's character is actually half half Romulan. Yeah, I've seen that. And I think that and I went that answered a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Why she could have emotion and she acted that way as opposed to being like. Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy's character. Right. So I went, okay, that's an explanation that I've never seen before. And it works really well. Mm-hmm. So you you go with, yeah, you go with someone sassy or sexy or I, and, and let me say, this to her. I, I did not try to answer the that particular question because hey, I'm the one right. the, I'm, I'm the so, admiral behind the scenes watching you guys in this test simulator. Okay. So you're the guy, um, you're the math teacher who comes up with an equation that doesn't work just to see if everybody can go crazy. Because <laughs> I don't have to come up with an answer. Well, I, I think, just need to give you a question to answer. I think one of the great things that proves how great this film is, it's hard to think of anyone else other than yeah. Christy mm-hmm. Alley or these or these the other actors. And, and even with uh um Star Trek three and four, Robin the actress Curtis. Robin Curtis, yeah. like she, that's who I, I can think of both of these women as Lieutenant Savick mm-hmm. very much. It's ingrained in my, the fiber of my being mm-hmm. who they so, are. So I think that's part of why it's so hard. It's not just that there's so many actors and actresses that to choose from. I mm-hmm. think we love these characters the way they are. Yeah. So and, speaking of Robin Curtis, I just have to mention this for a second. So I watched that episode, the next generation episode, the gambit for years, looking at that woman, the the Vulcan in there and thinking like, man, she looks so familiar, man. She looks so familiar. I don't know who that is, but she looks so familiar. And I think it was only like in the last year or so that I realized that was Robin Curtis. Yeah. Well, you realized David or uh, yeah, David Butrick. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was in the next gen too. Yeah, was that he always really? was like, he was in an episode. Oh, he was. Oh, he oh, was yes. in symbiosis, yeah. the the he... drug episode where it's like, say no to drugs, kids. Mm-hmm. Was, was he... it like well, that, uh, died? Yeah. Yes, he died in yeah. 1989. Okay. Passed away okay. in that year, so he was. That, I don't. It was either the first or second season. Okay, yeah. that was the symbiosis one, but... was season one. Yeah, but I, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that was him. Just yep. give us the drug. Okay, so I learned something interesting today. Hey, I don't feel as bad. I pointed yeah. something out to you guys that, <laughs> yeah. or to at least Adina that um so uh whoops so here's yeah, here's the second question and we'll end this Kobayashi Maru simulation okay, okay? Yeah, I don't want to stress okay. you guys well out. but then after the second question I have something I'm dying to bring up so okay, okay cool, wait, cool. and then we gotta talk right. about energizers okay all right <laughs> okay I'm having too much fun here if there was one thing perhaps a plot line a scene or something like that, what would you change about this film if you could? Oh, that's easy. No, yeah, no, nothing. Nothing. You see, there's got to be there's some, <laughs> just add some line of dialogue that explains how the heck Starfleet could be like, we somehow didn't know that an entire planet was destroyed and how an entire planet was Fine. shifted. Here's why, different. though. And then maybe it's... something to explain why Kirk never went back, because it makes yeah. him seem like, he didn't follow a report like, ooh, I forgot to tell Starfleet well, to go to this Honestly, planet, to me, to Chris, that's the biggest yeah. plot line issue in this film is yeah. not just the lieutenant. Now this brand new mind-blowing revelation Steve made that it's, or whoever made it, Steve, mm-hmm. you know, she's lieutenant and the rest are cadets. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's the, or does Khan know, about, how does Khan know about Klingon, anything, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's that it's a whole planet was destroyed. Now, Kirk either totally failed 
and told nobody else and no one else from the Enterprise told anybody about these guys being on this planet. Okay. Or it's just simply it's simply a plot line they needed oh. so that Ricardo okay. Montalban could yell. Okay. I have an. I want to make up an answer. And I'm going to give it. you my. I'll give you my answer as well. Go ahead. I'm no, you go first. Yours first and I'm me first. Okay. Go first. Let's let's go. Let's go <laughs> to Star Trek Enterprise, the uh, augments episodes. Okay. okay. Great. Yes. Starfleet wanted to keep the existence of augments completely secret. Yes, I was going similar. My answer is similar. And so yes. because of that, it was buried. It's mm-hmm. so deep, top secret, and 15 years goes by. So you put something in the top secret, and you put it in a drawer, and you put it away for 15 years. After a period of time, people's memories go away, people disappear, whatever, and it stays a secret. And so it seemed like to me is that by burying them on that planet, Starfleet told Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise, you are never, ever to admit that this ever happened because it's a, it's a mm-hmm. stain on our history and our and our society and we want to get away from the eugenics war it's that bad to the but point then you want to make pe- people pre- or like prevent people from going to that planet like even in um uh palace for like, nobody gets had, to go to talus for yeah they had the whole thing they had the top secret book <laughs> yeah. but it's like so you can't just have two schmucks roaming around being like oh we got to go find a planet let's go down here it's like well somebody to forgot be- to give to, well, yeah. to some- like check off so, and Terrell the memo well i, I mean but here's the thing, okay? So Starfleet knows that City Alpha 5 or City Alpha 6, you know, exploded and then everything was laying waste on City Alpha 5. What are the chances? Like, I feel like they'd probably be like, oh, wow, you know, Khan and his They're people, all dead. They're, they're, yeah, they're dead. dead. There's yeah. no way they survived that. Mm-hmm. So pointing out, like, so then, yes, so then the, the, the Grissom is going to get close. Starfleet knows that. But they have no reason to point out anything Uh-oh. because Connor's people are supposed to be dead. Yeah, no, I don't know. No. I, I Starfleet is too pure. No, what? They're, they're too no, pure. No, They've no, got they're good... not. They've got six watched... and thirty-one. Totally kidding. Totally okay. kidding. Hey, if you want to see him, I don't know if I should even bring that up. With it's Die all Hard peace too. in the future, guys. Don't you guys read Gene Roddenberry's work at all? Like it's there's no. They don't think that way. But if you Once want to watch Gene Sloan passed from away, 31, they could do whatever they wanted. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna make this plug. If you want to watch Sloan from Section 31 do some weird like karate martial arts stretching, <laughs> watch Die Hard 2, everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he's great in that. I love that. Yeah, I, think, he's, yeah, he's I love Die Hard too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, this is a good segue into the thing. I, I'm dying to okay, go to ahead. Bring up. Do it. I'm dying oh, to bring you, this up. Yeah. So uh Brian, earlier today you had on our Facebook group posed a question about people's favorite you know, yes. Trek movies and kind of because we were going to be talking about the the Rathacon. And so my husband posted and he brought something up, which we've had this conversation before. <laughs> now, he's not a, a Trekkie. He watches it because of me and, you know, he'll watch stuff with me, but he doesn't know it. And he certainly is. He's he's seen the teeniest, tiniest bit of the original series. So while he's watched Rathacon a couple times, he's never seen Space Seed, although I've Ooh. told him the story. So my kind of so he puts this thought out there that and and the first time he even you know saw some of this he's like Khan doesn't seem to be that like like why is Khan such a bad guy he's kind of like he's a reformed criminal like so he's done his time he's done his sentence so why is he like the uber bad guy 
And so in the Wrath of Khan, you know, Chekhov has the one line of dialogue is like, yeah, you tried to like take over, you know, murder, murder Kirk and take over his ship. But that still is not the uber badness that is Khan Noonien that we that we know from Space Seed about Khan Noonien Singh and his history in the eugenics wars and, and all that. That's the real evilness. Sure. So the question is, is so people coming in and just watching the Wrath of Khan, not having seen Space Seed and not knowing that backstory, they just see Wrath of Khan. Can they have an appreciation for how bad Khan is? is is it possible to without knowing anything about space seed i think so when you get to and somehow like when i first <clears throat> it was only when i was much older that i saw space seed so i had like a large portion of my life where i could quote wrath of khan but without having seen space seed but somehow it went over my head that he slaughtered all those people on on the uh, station even though it's like a huge scene um i didn't like like slitting the throat it just like went over me and I feel like Slit if you watch it, throats. he went wild. It's like, I think if you watch that scene, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that okay. is con. That's a really I, good I argument. Don't think, yeah. Okay. The thing I always go to is I don't like, I think he is one of the best villains in Trek, but I don't think he was Kirk's ever, like worst ever threat. Because if you look at Nomad, you look at every other threat, it's like, okay, they're actually worse. But yeah, I feel like you could get an appreciation for just how awful con oh. is. When Without you go having into to see the, the original movie, the original TV series. Yeah. Kirk is Khan's nemesis, not, you know, and Khan is one of Kirk's many foes. Well, just the one thing we did that one time, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. We just, but, you, you know, know, if you think of it, you go, he thought that that foe was gone. It, that, yeah, that he too. comes back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, the, the, you're, his you're look reliving, on his face yeah, it's was like, priceless oh when God. he's like. Yeah, like when you first see Khan on the screen in front, and he's like, ah, and they're sort of like not friends by the end, but they're sort of a mutual appreciation, like a respect for each other where Khan, where Khan, I guess, appreciates the idea that, oh, you know what? You're going to let me start my own planet, start my own civil or whatever, Mm -hmm. where it's like, Mm -hmm. I'd rather where he quotes Milton and Kirk gets it, where it's like, I would would rather be a, I would rather be a, a ruler in hell than a servant in heaven or something mm-hmm. like that. And mm-hmm. so there is a little bit like a Kirk, like ended. It's like a, you know, we did the right thing. He's on the planet. He's going to survive. Let's give high fives to each other. We're sort of friends, nothing to worry about. And then he shows up and like, Oh, there's all this stuff that happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And and again, yeah. and Khan is bitter, not that he went to this planet, but that after that all happened, that they were, they were <laughs> left there, you know, they were left there, which is, you know, understandably that he's bitter about that, yeah. that yeah. no one came to check on him, um, mm-hmm. especially after this planet exploded and everything. But that's why I think the whole idea that Starfleet deliberately, you know, it wasn't Kirk's job to go back only, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk should be ordered to go back. It wasn't his job to go back. But right. the fact that Starfleet sent nobody to check up on him. You just, you just sent, you just touched on something that I think would be something if there's mm-hmm. any, again, I think this is very well done film all the way around. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's probably things we could really nitpick and say, yeah, yeah you know, could well, they one other this thing? different, but I think that a scene where Kirk is describing to somebody why he never went back. Yeah, just some explanation. Just or- like like it could be with just between Spock and him, Spock and Bones, or 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 literally say he was ordered never to go yeah, back. Yeah, or there or again. just. But- why would he go back unless he is ordered to go back? Like yeah, I feel but- like that's that wouldn't be his responsibility or job. 
But couldn't they you put, put a, you put someone in jail? You don't necessarily go and check. There's other people to do that. Like it's not right. his job. It wasn't that his job. But I think it was expected that Kirk would file the report and then someone else would go. But I don't understand. Like if it's top secret, why not put some warning buoys or markers in the um, orbit so people well, going in are no, like, sometimes hey, don't, you don't come here. You don't want to draw attention mm-hmm. when something is when something is 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 top secret. You don't want to draw attention to it. Exactly. Yeah. Final. Yeah, I don't know. Final I, thoughts. Final thoughts. Somebody messed up there. We're we're gonna we're gonna we (laughs) could go on and on about this film. Okay, and it's great. uh, Okay, this makes me want to talk about uh, arguably the best Trek film ever made. Yeah, along with this one. First first (laughs) contact sometime in the future. Next next season. We'll get. We'll get. Yeah, we'll talk about about first contact. Okay. Okay. That sounds fine. Next season. Uh, Final words. Any last thoughts on the film or before? We close Can out I, this. I will tell you one of you, you, whether it's a, any special warm and fuzzy memories. Yes. Okay. Ready? So we're walking out of the theater after watching Wrath of Khan. And who do we see at the curb at the intersection? But Walter Koenig. Uh, he was in the theater watching the movie the same time we were. And we just like, we should go up and ask him. We should ask him. But we didn't, we didn't want to bother him because he was someone there to enjoy the movie himself. So it was really neat to see one of the actors enjoying the movie as much as we were. And that was my warm and fuzzy moment about the film. Cool. That's so cool. For me, mm-hmm. my warm, it's, it's funny. It's like with, with all of Star Trek, it's like warm and fuzzy. It's just like all the sound effects, everything, the shields, the going up, the mm-hmm. targeting, the music, the lines of dialogue, all of those just feel like when I'm listening to that, I'm just in my happy place. Like everything is right in the world. I was running late for work. Uh, one day and there's just so much construction and pylons everywhere it's chaos and i'm like all right i'm just gonna listen to wrath of khan and i like instantly felt better mm-hmm. fantastic perfect. adina i don't know i think my warm and fuzzy is right now that we just got to spend the last hour talking about exactly one of the best yeah. <laughs> yes that's a good those are good mm-hmm. Warm mm-hmm. i will say this there's one scene that i think is absolutely magical Mm-hmm. And watching again last night fresh, I had forgotten how absolutely superb it is. Um, and it is the end of the film when um, Leonard Nimoy is doing the famous space, the final mm-hmm. frontier. Okay, he does it. It's a wonderful <laughs> scene. The stars, the camera is moving amongst the stars, you know. And then as he says, uh, closes it out the music and the stars are moving towards you differently mm. and then you hear the da, 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 and the stars whoosh past you yeah. as the last note crescendo mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's a beautiful way to end the film yeah. filled with mm-hmm. adventure filled with um mm-hmm. expectation for the future this film is nothing but warm fuzzies for me guys yep I agree. Just getting Mm -hmm. to do that. So Mm -hmm. uh, one of the themes of this film, and we touched on it a little bit, is growing old, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to navigate life in light Mm -hmm. of being older and more fragile. 50 is not old. I don't think so. People always act like I love it. Fragile. (laughs) Also about death and how we handle it and continue living in spite of it. And to quote Mm -hmm. Captain Kirk at the end of the film, how we deal with death is at least as important as how we deal with life. We can try to run from it, but eventually, well, you know. So live today like you're not afraid to die tomorrow. 
Be kind to those around you. Reach out to someone you haven't seen in a while, especially if that someone is an old friend or family member. Just let them know you're thinking about them and wish them well. Be kind to your neighbors and your coworkers. Live for something more than your own self-ambitions. Just like Spock gave up his right to live, sacrificially surrendering his life for the sake of the ship and crew, who can you serve and give to today? Well, my friends, I can honestly say that the three of you of all the souls I've encountered in my travels are some of the most human, kind, intelligent, compassionate, not to mention fun and funny people I've ever had the privilege of calling friends. Make sure you guys check out our Facebook group, subscribe to our YouTube page, follow us on Instagram, email us at the big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us each on social media, check out the other stuff we're involved in. And all of that is listed in the podcast notes. So check that out. Click on those links, folks. We'd greatly appreciate it until next time. Our listening friends don't drink the Kool-Aid. There is no (laughs) such thing as a no win scenario. I'm Brian Donahue, and you've been listening to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast.